All right. Here we go, into the nitty-gritty, yes. Uh, if you're a bit like me, slightly, you know, on the scale, slightly introvert, um, uh, you know, I don't know, I think this is quite common for New Zealanders to be leaning slightly towards introverty, being introverted, hence I'm wearing my T-shirt, I need my space, an astronaut sitting on the moon on his own. <laughs> If, the, if you're like me, then, then I can imagine there's, there's one word that might send chills down your spine, uh, and it's icebreaker, <laughs> right? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? When you're with a new group of people and someone says, okay, time for an icebreaker, you're like, oh, no. Uh, and I'm not, you, know, you might not know what I mean by icebreaker, but it's, uh, this is a ship, and I'm not talking about the ship. The ship's quite cool. They charge through ice, they break up ice. But sometimes people, when we get together, we, we are like ice and we need to be broken up, and so we actually talk to each other and are nice to each other, all that kind of stuff. And so an icebreaker has become a trendy activity. I don't know, trendy, like in the 90s or something. All right, not trendy anymore. Anymore. It's probably a new word for a day. Um, anyway, I go there. Um, you know, an activity to try to try to break the ice, try to warm people up, so they actually, you know, uh, get get to know each other a little bit. And you know, I, I get the point. It's it's uh, it's a good idea. I'm a pastor. I love for people to like connect and to meet up with each other. But still, it's like uh, icebreaker. No, uh, get me out of here. It's like, um, you know, someone running their fingers down a uh, blackboard. Actually, just saying that, oh, just gives me the shivers. <laughs> it seriously does. I've got issues. Pray for me. Pray for me, Tessa. And pray for Tessa too. We all got issues. Anyway, um, uh, it's okay. Don't worry. I'm not frazzled. Um, and so at the same time, like uh, you know, this is this is this is of, of value. Like when people come to, uh, when people get together, we've got to have something to, you know, to to break the ice. So let's do an icebreaker. No, I'm I'm not going to go there. But um, but I thought um, one thing that might might be sort of interesting is last week, if you were here, I spoke about I spoke about prayer, and and uh, just give me a wave. Like one of the things that I um I mentioned was uh, like praying that God would wake you up in the morning. Did anybody do that? Yeah. Did it? How did it go? It didn't work. <laughs> okay. Well, anyone else? <laughs> didn't work. Thanks for that testimony. Yeah. 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 It worked for you. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Full disclosure. I, I, so I spoke last week. You, if you weren't here, I, one of the things that um, years ago, I, I don't really like the sound of an alarm clock going off. So I prayed that God would wake me up in the morning so I could have time with God. And so I argued last week. Um, facetiously, that uh, if, if, you know, if, I, if God didn't wake me up in the morning, that it was his fault that I didn't have, you know, quiet time with God. So anyway, that's what I said on Sunday, and, I, and uh, anyway, then what happens, eh? Uh, um, Sunday night, uh, Eli woke up a few times, yeah, that's one excuse, and then I sleep in. I wake up in the morning at 6.30 or quarter to 7, I'm like, oh, there we go. I've just told the whole church that they should <laughs> get up early in the morning to pray, and I can't even do it myself. So anyway, there's... there's um, my icebreaker, but you might you might think about that yourself, eh? All right, where are we going? Where are we going today? Um, throughout this month, um, I've been focusing on the on the main the main strands of it, of our focus for the year. I'm focusing on our focus for the year. Uh, is I, these are areas that I think that I feel like God is God is calling us to put our energy and attention into, and and the strain the strands you'll be getting sick of hearing them. But the first one is connection with connection with God, specifically connection with God and prayer. Yeah, we talked we talked about that last week, and we'll keep coming back to it. But it's just so so key. I feel like everything else it like rests upon upon that. 
like our connection with God and specifically our connection with God in prayer. And the second one is, is connection, with, connection with one another, connection with one another. And then the third one is connection with, with others. So thinking about people that aren't in church today, you know, people out in the streets or at home or uh, school or wherever they are, connection with others. And, and the vision is that as we, as we strengthen these connections, as we, as we kind of give them attention and, and try, to take, try to take steps in the, in the direction of, of these strands, that we actually, uh, we actually flourish as people, as people of God and people, people in God. We flourish. We are flourishing people. And, and, and that we, we bless those around us, just like that scripture in uh, Peter, you know? You're your chosen priesthood. You're, you're God's own possession. And, and then you can shine God's light for other people. So we get to bless people, bless those around us. So last week, connection with God in prayer. This week, drawing our attention to the second strand, connection with one another. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22 says, You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. I love this next line. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles, so Gentiles is anybody who's not Jewish. So if you are Jewish, then um, you're not a Gentile. <laughs> Through him, you Gentiles are, all, are also being made part of this, of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. We are being joined, joined together in him. This is, our, this is actually who, this is who we are. This is the truth of what, of what the church is. His house, citizens of of. Uh, Citizens, along with all of God, all of God's holy people, so Jew and Gentile, you know. We humans, we're social creatures, and I, I spend some of my week researching these guys, girls, I should say, because most of the bees, honeybees you see around the place are, are females. Uh, I spend most of my, uh, you know, some of my week researching um, social insects, and so this includes a lot of a lot of bees. You, you do get solitary bees and solitary wasps and stuff like that, but bees, a lot of bees, social bees, social wasps, and ants, and they're and they're incredible. Like everybody loves a bee, don't they? Unless you're allergic, but anyway, even then, because they all love bees. Everyone loves bees. They're incredible, incredible, and they but they're designed to live and function in these massive, massive societies. Honey beehives uh, often. Have have 20 to 80,000 bees doing their little bee thing, making us honey. Wasps, yeah, bee vomit is, yeah, yeah, they do, they don't think about how they make honey, but wasp nests, wasp nests, I don't know, we've, have you seen a wasp nest? Oh, they get massive, like just do a Google on a wasp nest in New Zealand and some of them are huge, a million wasps in some of them. Those dirty, dirty old invasive wasps. Ants, ant colonies. The biggest colony in the world is this mass, like this colony that uh, spreads all around the Mediterranean. It's a super colony. And uh, there's something like 300 million ants. Like somebody spent their whole PhD <laughs> <laughs> counting them. 
<laughs> exactly, back to the start. <laughs> And they're amazing, eh? But but all of the all of these little insects are actually useless if they're on if they're on their own. They might like they might live for you know a week or a month or maybe a few months, but they're useless on their own. Uh, it's only when they're actually like functioning together as this incredible society, and they they connect with one another, and and they do the little in, little insect things. Like if you if you've learnt about honeybees, and you might know about the little waggle dance, where they tell you know they tell the other bees in the hive where to find the best pollen in town. It's out in Kotakoto. Everybody knows that. Uh, they do their little thing together, and um, but what they're doing, bees doing life together. It's only in doing life together. <laughs> I'm sure they're thinking about that. Hey, let's do life together. That can be, and that's how. That's why they're amazing. And we, we humans, are social creatures like our like our little friendly, uh, friendly ants and bees and wasps. Uh, last year, the World Health Organization declared that loneliness is a pressing global health threat. That's big words, eh? Global health threat. Social isolation and loneliness are a recognised public health issue. The, the US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, that's the CDC, they list all, this is, oh, this is stuff you don't really want to look up, but they list all these health effects that social isolation and loneliness have been linked to an increased risk for. Heart disease and stroke, type two diabetes, depression and anxiety, Addiction, suicidality and self-harm, dementia and, and earlier death. Absolutely, this is shocking. I re, when I read this, I was like, I was absolutely shocked. I'm like, goodness. I, you know, I know that uh, loneliness doesn't feel, doesn't feel good or being socially isolated is, is not a good thing, but I, had, I didn't know that, the, that there's health, these health effects. It's bad for you. And, and you know the reason the reason why uh, this is not what the World Health Organization says this is just what I think the reason the reason why uh, this is a, a pressing health issue, issue is that the way we do society in the West is not good for us not good for us and uh, and also I just want to want to point out because I was thinking I was thinking about you know we're we're a mixed bunch of people here and, and if you're feeling lonely or you're feeling socially isolated then this is no way no way meant to be an, an attack or like a like a shame fest or anything like that instead it's almost like pointing pointing the light or the or reflecting a reflection on on the rest of us maybe uh, and I'm and I'm hoping my hope is actually that together we can we can be a community here at CV we can be a community where 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 people who who are lonely or feeling socially isolated can actually find meaningful uh, relationship can find friendship can find family can find find fano. So when I read this last year, I was shocked and I, and 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 broken hearted. Actually, it made me very sad, but but also at the same time strangely hopeful. You know that's weird, James. That's weird, James, that you'd feel hopeful at the same time as, as feeling shocked, and especially when you're reading this horrible stuff. But the reason is, the reason is, I, um, I, I did do a whole lot of public health, <laughs> I've done a lot of things in my time, but I did do a whole lot of public health research years ago and, and studied into it, and I wanted to kind of get involved in that world, and it's very, very hard to make, uh, make a difference with, with, um, with public health um, issues. But the reason I felt hopeful in this is that I believe I believe that church, this church and the greater church has, has a gift ready for the world that is, that is the antidote for this pressing health issue. 
Imagine that. We've got the antidote. We have actually got the solution that the world needs right here. And so I want to kind of unpack that a little bit this morning. Uh, first of all, I thought I'd tell a couple of stories. So I think many of us have, have uh, had times in our life when we, when we have been lonely or we felt lonely. And, and I, one, a time that really stood out, stands out to me is uh, way back in history, last millennium, 1992, and I started my third form year at Wellington College, so year nine, year nine. Uh, and for me, it was, a, it was a tough, tough year. And so I'd, grow, been, I'd grown up going to uh, a pretty small primary school, Wadestown School, and I went right through to, you know, five years old until um, intermediate. And, and, you know, we, I knew all the kids in my class. We'd gone through school together. Uh, had, a, had a group of friends. And then I went from this little place, this little bubble, and I went into third form, and all of a sudden there's 300 boys all in my year, and I put into them 3MA. <laughs> yeah, my teacher was Mrs. Mather. I put in 3MA, and I look around, and I don't know any of the other boys in my class. Actually, that's not quite true. There were, some, there were some boys that I'd known that were at our school and then they were a bit richer than the rest of us and went off to a private school um, for intermediate and then ended up in the same class. But, but anyway, I, did, I, there was, I didn't have any friends. And, I, and, and, uh, and, and it was a real struggle. I had no friends in my form class. And then what made it even more difficult when I reflect back in that time is that I didn't even know, where to, how do you make a friend? <laughs> I'm looking around going, these people, they've got friends, they've got friends. How do I make a friend? I hadn't made a friend in years. I didn't know what to do. Um, like, I wish I'd been at, uh, in Zoe's youth group. Hey. <laughs> uh, like a couple of weeks ago, hey, Zoe, uh, they talked about how do you make a friend? How do you talk to people? How do you make a friend? What do you do? Man, if I could have like time traveled, <laughs> would have been the most popular kid in my class. <laughs> I had no friends, and uh, and and it was a real struggle. You know, it was re- it was actually a really really tough year. And uh, um, the turning point, the turning point came when this boy ended up in our class, who I who I already knew from. Uh, I think he shifted from another school, and you know I already knew him from um, playing hockey. Playing hockey, I played for uh, Karori, uh, and he was in the he was in the same team. So he ends up in my class. Okay, this sounds like a great solution, eh? I already know someone. Here's my issue. <laughs> He played the same position at me as hockey. And so I was competitive with him, with Andrew. And so I knew him, wanted to be friends, you know, I needed friends. I didn't want to be friends with him because we played the same position in hockey. Anyway, eventually I got over myself. We, we, we did became friends. And the best thing was, um, he already had a circle of friends. I became friends with Andrew. I became friends with his friends. And I'm still friends with some of those guys today, you know, 100 years later. <laughs> <laughs> the hardest time, the hardest moments, the hardest moments was not so much in class, but at lunchtime when you when you're out in the you know you're out of school and you're like you don't want to look like you're lonely, you don't want to look like you've got something to do, and um, and that's the strange thing with loneliness. Often you don't want other people to know that you're lonely. I guess like we, we might feel we might feel ashamed. Yeah, we do. We feel ashamed when we're lonely often, and so we we might we sort of put up put up a mask. And sometimes this mask is quite literal. Like if I was uh, third form, year nine today, I'd put, my mask would be this. I'd be at lunchtime and I'd go, oh, no, I'm not lonely. I've got Facebook to keep me company. You know what I mean. I'm, this, I'm not, not saying this in a, in a harsh way. I mean, uh, we, we put up our mask. Um, 
And, and, and it sometimes kind of gives us impression, uh, and maybe it's what, what we're hoping for, is that we've got something, we've actually got something, something important to do here. But the real, the real danger is those masks, is that uh, all those things that we do, they actually make it harder for people then to engage with us. So if I'm, uh, you know, I'm back in, back in third form, year nine, and, and I try to pretend that I've actually got something to do, which is, is what I did, and then it makes, makes it harder for people to, um, to engage with me. So you might, be, might kind of relate to that. Um, okay, so that's one, that's sort of one end, eh? Feeling lonely, it's horrible. Then on the other hand, I was sort of like thinking about what's the, what's the most welcomed, what's the most welcomed I've ever, ever felt? Because being welcomed and included can be some of the most amazing and encouraging moments in our life. And, and, and you, might have, you might have memories or you might have moments where you go, oh, I felt so welcomed that time or uh, something like that. And, and I, so I was thinking about that. And, and, and again, like I, I have to go back a few, few years. And I, but this, this, a real stand, this real standout moment to me came from when I was living in, in Christchurch. And my, um, I lived in a flat that was a few blocks away from the, from the centre of town, from uh, Cathedral Square. And uh, me and my flatmate would go along to, uh, we were part of a church service that was in the evening. So, so sometimes we'd have, have Sunday mornings free. Mainly it was cause, so that we could go snowboarding during, during the winter. But what do you do in summer? So anyway, we wake up one morning and we're like, oh, what should we do? And uh, we thought, oh, well, let's go, let's go along to another church. And there was a Salvation Army church that was quite nearby to us, a few blocks away. So we, we walk along. And uh, you know, I guess a little bit like tourists, but we, you know, we did have a heart of of, uh, of worshiping with other other Christians and, and you know being with other people. So we got into this church, Salvation Army, and I just remember going into this into this church, and it was pretty it was pretty old fashioned kind of uh, style and, and traditional, and they didn't have like stained carpet and um, <laughs> and uh, you know all the mess that we got. It was nice and tidy, and uh, and and I remember the congregation being. Uh, feeling mature, you know. Um, they were probably 46. <laughs> That's how old I am, if you didn't know. Um, not 50, anyway, um, not yet. Anyway, uh, and I just remember going to this church and there's so many people coming over to, to say hello. It was like we're walking in, we felt like we were uh, celebrities. Walk into this church and there was people coming to say hello and then I remember being invited out to lunch and, and you know, I can't remember anything else from that church service. I can't remember what the, what the songs were like, I can't remember what the message was like, but if I wasn't already part of another, another church, then I think that I probably would have quite easily gravitated to this place. I felt like there I would have had an instant family, I would have had an instant community, I would have had instant friends. They might have all been about 50 years older than me, but it didn't matter. Because I was a student and like a lunch after church, man, that would have been my, my dietary requirements, eh, <laughs> for a week. And you might, have, you might have moments, eh, where you kind of go, oh, that, that was the day. That was a moment that I felt welcome. It was special. It feels so good. It feels so good. This morning, we, we, we shared communion together. And I thought, this is such a, such a beautiful thing. We shared communion. Communion is uh, communion, with, communion with Jesus. You know, it represents our kind of like our oneness with Jesus. Jesus took one loaf and he broke it into all these bits and, and they all ate from it. We did the same thing. It was one loaf before I chopped it up this morning. We shared from the same loaf of bread and we shared from the same drink. Communion with Jesus, communion with one another. And it's a, it's a profound moment of togetherness and connected, connected, connectedness. 
When, when Jesus set it up in the first place, it was him and his uh, 12 disciples, the, the apostles, and they were in an upper room in Jerusalem. And, and they sat down to have dinner together. And as they're having dinner, it was in this moment that Jesus took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he gave it to each of the disciples to eat. And then he took a cup of wine and he, and he gave it to them to drink. And they're, they're together, like physically together in this moment. They're even eating, eating and drinking the same thing. And then Jesus says, this, this, this bread is my body. You're eating my body. This, this blood, this, this wine is my blood. You're drinking my blood. It's like showing, you, you're becoming one with me, guys. <clears throat> they're becoming one. And these men, so there's 12 of them, and they represent the community of people that Jesus devoted himself to. Have you noticed, say, when you, when you, when you read the Gospels, how, how much effort and time Jesus put into like, going out and, and, and meeting people and inviting people and welcoming people and being an inter- interrupted by people, by, by children or people that were sort of trying to get healed by him when he's on his way somewhere else. And so he, I think Jesus was a bit like that Salvation Army Church. You know, people were drawn to him. Just because he was so so invitational and welcoming and kind, he was o- and he was open and honest with people. He was even open when it, when it really hurt. And so that that same evening, uh, man, things move quickly in the in the Easter week. So that same evening, they have um, they have they have dinner together and they have communion, the first communion together, and then. Uh, and then Jesus goes and he takes a bunch of his disciples, actually all the disciples in, apart from Judas, uh, who'd been gone off to, to do other business, um, to betray Jesus. So, so Jesus and, and the disciples, they, they go to an, an olive grove called Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed. And, and listen to this. So it says, Matthew twenty six thirty seven. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, And he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little, a little farther, a little further, and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. This is Jesus we're talking about. Jesus, who's the Son of God. Jesus, who's the one that created all things through, you know, it says in the Bible that all things were created through Jesus. And yet he's asking for help from those who are closest to him. It's like he's saying to James and John, guys, I'm having a real tough time here. Stay with me, guys. I could really do with some support right now. And he, he's not asking. He's not asking for them to do it for him. You know, he, he knew that he was going to be going to the cross and, and suffering and dying for for us all. He knew that they couldn't do it for him. But he's asking. I, I think he's asking for emotional support. Stay with me. Stay with me, guys. Okay. 
And we, we are made in the image of God. Oh, my eyes are getting all blurry. <laughs> we are made in the image of God. God is, a, God is a community of God. God is a community. God is a community God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is a loving, three-person, holy trinity. This is a mystery. But we are made in the image of God as image bearers, and this is how we're wired too, to be in community with, with God at the centre. I wanted to hold, hold that thought. I'll come back to it. But I'm just going to read this. this is for, I've got a big study Bible, and this is the notes. They have a section called The People of God and Community. It says this, Jesus' self-replicating society of God-inhabited people, in contrast to all earthbound institutions, the church originates with God on a foundation of love, truth, and power. It is the place where all people can gather as Christ's apprentices to be formed, conformed, and transformed into his image. Christ is ever in the midst of the gathered community to teach his people himself. Ultimately, the church is the place is the place for, sorry, I probably got a typo there, is the place for all who confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, oh, sorry, maybe I didn't do a typo. Ultimately, the church is the place all who confess that Jesus Christ is Lord are to be brought to such a level of God awareness that they can respond to all of life's demands as Christ himself would. I love, I love that, that image of, uh, of the church, Christ at the centre, but together being able to face all of life's demands in that together, in that togethering. When we look at the early church, one of the standout features is how much they were simply together. Yeah, they seemed to get along. They seemed to like hanging out with each other. And Acts chapter 2 records, I think, one of the most incredible church services in all of history. If, if I could time travel, I would have been back to that moment in Acts 2. And when you think about it, apart from the life, death, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, maybe this is the most, most significant moment of all of history. You could argue that, I think. And it begins like this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And, and it turns out there's, a, there's about 120 of them, and they're in an upstairs room in Jerusalem, which is, you know, Jerusalem was where they had the Last Supper as well. And they're simply together meeting. And then all heaven, all heaven breaks loose. It's amazing. Fire from heaven and the sound of mighty rushing wind and, and the Holy Spirit falls upon them. Remember, if you know the story, like tongues of, this, it's like this fire came down and, and then the fire, one fire then separated and, and these tongues of fire landed on each of them. One Holy Spirit, right? All, all together representing many but one. And, it, and the Holy Spirit filled them and then they were transformed and, and they went out into the streets of, of Wellington and, and Porirua and Lower Hutt and they were telling people all about Jesus. And, and in that day, the church grew from a 120 or so, 120 people to over 3,000 in one day. So 120, right? This is pretty average sized church. I think if we're all here, it would be about 120. And it, and it jumps from that to being a mega church all in one day. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. 
that's cool. And then we jump ahead to verse 42, and it says what their, what their, lives, were like, lives, what their lives were like. It says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, Man, that, I don't know how they shifted, actually. Imagine the logistics. Okay, okay we're 120. Okay, next Sunday, we need a room for 3,000. <laughs> That's what it says, though, right? That's what, I'm not making this up. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. Met in homes for the Lord's Supper. So here we have the logistics. Right? There was 3,000 of them. They, uh, I don't know. What's, what's it called when you uh, get crash a party? No, 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 no. There's the other one, eh? Flash mob. Flash mob. Yeah, flash mob. <laughs> they flash mob the temple, worshipped, uh, saying, Blessed be your name. <laughs> On the road, Markless suffering. Oh, that's hard. Uh, they worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill and good food of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So not only, you know, okay, massive, massive big increase of numbers. Uh, as a pastor, you go, oh, mate, what a sermon that was. <laughs> anyway, but then every day it kept on getting bigger and bigger. They devoted themselves to four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So we've got the apostles' teaching now, right? We've got the whole New Testament, the apostles' teaching. Uh, they devoted themselves to fellowship. Fellowship. That's what I'm talking about, being together. They devoted themselves to eating together. Isn't that cool? All these important things, praying together. And, and I think it's an absolute miracle. I mean, I, all these people, there's 3,000 of them, and they're doing this, all this, all this togethering. Uh, it's a, I'm not sure if that's a word, but I think we, we're just going to use it from now on. Togethering, togethering, worshipping together, meeting in homes, sharing meals, and, and, the God, and God keeps adding, like more and more people come, and, and I'm sure part of the reason why that more people come is because it was like they're going to that Salvation Army in Christchurch. It's like, oh, I feel so welcomed here. This is such a good place to be. They devoted themselves. Devoted is an interesting word, eh? It means, it means they, they decided. They made a decision. It means commitment. It means they, they committed. And it, and it also means they sacrificed. So they had to give up stuff. Sometimes I think, I wonder if we imagine the early church people, like they actually didn't have too much to do. Like, you know, what do they do all day? No TV. No internet. No computer games. What are you going to do all day back then, 2,000 years ago? But, but, they, were, but they had busy lives. Uh, you know, they didn't have a five-day working week back then. No, it was every day on. And yet, and yet somehow they managed to find, they managed to do these things, devoting themselves, the apostles teaching, fellowship, eating together, praying together. They must have, they must have like made space for that somehow. They must have given up things. They must have made sacrifice. They must have dropped their hobbies or whatever for, for connection with one another. And, and remember, remember, this is something that the Holy Spirit birthed. Remember, this is something that the Holy Spirit brought to life. 
And the Holy Spirit works, you know, the Holy Spirit births it, the Holy Spirit works with us and transforms us to be more like the Jesus we worship, which is more like God. I, I asked you to hold on to a thought a bit before about, uh, about being made in the image of God. If you're like me, you would have forgotten that already. So we're going back to it. <laughs> we are made in the image of God. And God is a community God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a living three-person Holy Trinity. And as image bearers, this is how we're wired too. This is how we're made. To be in community with God at the centre. In fact, you could, you could see the rescue of mission of God since the fall in, in the Garden of Eden when you know, Adam and Eve decided to rebel against God, right, to separate themselves from God, and they ate from that apple. And then they also end up with like, fighting, you know, fighting amongst themselves. And it's like the rescue mission of God since that moment was to reconcile people to himself, to tear down the dividing walls, to break the dividing walls, to reconcile people to himself, and, and to reconcile people to one another. Yeah. Ephesians 2 is all over this. If you want some homework, read, read Ephesians 2. Reconciliation, bringing people together. So this is what God is like. God is, God is community. Holy Spirit's trying to make us more like Jesus. So that's what he's kind of bringing to life, right? But we live in a society which is not this way, right? We live in a society which is strongly individualistic. It's what we've grown up with. It's what I've grown up with. And, and if you've grown up in, uh, you know, New Zealand, it's what you've grown up with too, probably. It's, it's the cultural river we swim in. <laughs> We're surrounded by it. I've heard it uh, described as radical individualism which is uh, more extreme than individualism because it's radical. It's, and it's all, about, it's all about independence and self-reliance. These, these are things that we highly value. We highly value. Uh, and so, so, so we have, a, we have a, tug of, a tug of war. On the one hand, we need each other. Right? Actually, we need it for our own, our own health. We need each other. Social isolation and loneliness is, is actually bad for us. We need each other. We get sick. We even die early. On the other hand, doing life together with other people is tough. <laughs> we fight. <laughs> you might not. Okay, I should just say it myself. I fight. <laughs> you don't fight. Uh, we're mean. No, oh, I'm mean. We're self-centered. We like to be in control. And we've been hurt by other people. And, you know, I put up, I'm just writing my testimony here, I put up my hand for all of, all of those things. And more, I'm worse than that. And so it can be very, very challenging then, okay, and that kind of dynamic and all of that kind of stuff going on, it can be really, really challenging to, to actually form meaningful relationships and to be like those early believers, to be devoted to fellowship. You know, like sometimes we read Acts 2 and all the other stuff sounds pretty good. Tongues of fire, rushing wind, miracles, signs and wonders, and then you kind of get to what their lives were like. You're like, oh, <laughs> it's too much together with other people. I need my space. <laughs> so it can be challenging. That's my point. Choosing to, choosing to walk towards connection with one another is actually pushing against a cultural tide. And uh, I don't know, are you into punk rock at all? Anyone? No? Okay. So anyway, I don't know. There's a part of me which is a little bit like that. And so like, oh, this countercultural. Oh, 
I want to be countercultural. It's countercultural, and it's actually choosing, even better, it's choosing to bear the image of God, to be like God in a world that needs God more and more than ever. The, the, writer, the writer of Hebrews, probably Paul, I reckon, he says this, let us, not, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We, we need each other. We need each other. We, we need each other to motivate, to motivate one another to, to keep loving. <laughs> And to keep doing good stuff. And we need each other for encouragement when, when things are tough. Because things are tough. <laughs> things get tough. We need each other. And it looks like, okay, reading between the lines. Well, you don't have to read between the lines. It's right there in the middle. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. So even in the early church, when everything was roses, <laughs> when everything was wonderful, some people were still kind of going, actually, this is a bit too tough. I'm out of, I'm out of it. People were giving up on gathering together. And maybe for similar reasons where people, people do now. This is, this is my last page. Hallelujah! Capital Vineyard Church. <laughs> let's, devote ourselves, let's devote ourselves to fellowship. I say it like I'm joking, but I mean it. Let's devote ourselves to fellowship. Let's, let's connect with one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's care for one another. Let's love one another. Let's find ways. Let's find ways for meaningful relationship with, with one another, with Christ at the centre. We've got the same last name. Did you know that? Christ is our last name. <laughs> well, we're all part of the same family. I don't know what the last name is. I'll take that one. Christ is at the centre and it takes risk and it takes courage. I mean, it always takes effort to meet somebody in you. This is why, this is why icebreakers exist. It takes effort, it takes energy. And meeting someone new is hard. It takes even more effort to, to get to know somebody, to get to know somebody a little bit beyond, uh, you know, what did you do yesterday or what was the weather like the other day? It takes more effort to get to know other people. It takes more effort, even more effort to invite people around for a meal or to go to lunch with people after church or to meet up for a coffee. It takes effort. And don't, don't worry, like, oh, when I was growing up, we, we, had a, we had a phrase that was mates for life. MFL now nowadays, oh the girls made it BFF. Okay, if you're a, if if you're a girl, if you're a female, you want to be BFFs, that's fine. I'm a boy, I want to be mates for life. <laughs> all right, MFL. But don't worry, I'm not. What I'm not, I'm not trying to say. We all got to be BFFs or MFLs. <laughs> that sounds like a swear word, doesn't it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's not, it's not about being being BFFs, like sharing your you know, DMs. It's another. That's another. <laughs> okay, and that's not what I'm saying. We, like, it's not about like knowing everybody and going deeper and deeper with everybody at everybody at church. But but it's about being being open and welcoming and, and invita invitational. It's about reflecting the love and the lifestyle of Jesus to 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 those around us. Okay, thinking about Jesus. Like when, when, when Jesus was cruising along, did he, and he was having conversations with people, uh, did he exclude or did he include? 
Like imagine he's having a really important conversation with you know James and John, like his best buds, and they're kind of talking about how the phoenix did the other day. And then someone comes along, and it's obviously that person is looking for a conversation. Jesus kind of goes, ah, oh, nah, I'm busy now. No, he includes, includes. Did he, did he ignore or did he acknowledge? He constantly acknowledged. Oh my goodness. Talk about interruptions. Oh man, he's, his best friend, is well, one of his good friends, Lazarus, died. And Jesus, like he, he allows himself to, um, to spend the time with other people, doing what, doing what he had to with other people before going and raising Lazarus from the death, from the death, from the death, from the dead, from the dead. You know what I mean, from the death. So, right, okay, so this, this requires something of us. We've got to be honest. It requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice. But I want you to imagine. Let's do an imagination exercise. Okay, just, just in your mind. Imagine if you could, uh, and maybe it's already like this in your mind, but anyway. Imagine what this church, imagine what Capital Vineyard could feel, could feel like. Imagine what it could feel like. A, a visitor walks in the door. And they're straight away met by people and, and that day invited out, to, invited out to lunch. Like I was when I walked into that Salvation Army Church in Christchurch. Imagine what that would feel like. Imagine, imagine somebody comes in on a Sunday morning. We are, we are really, really good at keeping what's going on in our hearts hidden. So we don't know what's going on with the people right next to us. Somebody comes into church and actually they're desperately lonely. But that's the day that they, they make a friend and they don't, don't even need to say, they don't need to say, oh, I'm lonely, I'm looking for a friend. Instead, they come into this place and they make a friend. Imagine a person who doesn't know Jesus comes into this place and experiences such love and such genuine, meaningful connection with, with others that their hearts are like, it's like the walls come down and they became, they became open to what Jesus, what Jesus says. And they... And they invite them into their heart and they're saved. In, uh, in John 13, Jesus said, your love, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world you are my disciples. That's the kind of church that I want to be part of. <laughs> And I'm not saying we're not, we're not like that. This is not saying, oh, we're horrible to each other. But it's kind of like, kind of like looking, well, maybe we are. <laughs> what I'm trying to do is like, 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 paint, like paint a picture of, of what it might look like. Or I like, I think in feelings, you know, what it might, what it might feel like. What might it feel like? Oh, I'm so stoked that um, Michelle um, talked about guess who's coming for lunch in a month, month today. It wasn't a setup. Oh my goodness. It wasn't a setup, in case you're wondering. But this, guess who's, guess who's coming for lunch? This is like a, such a good opportunity for good food. Yeah, we like good food and good, good conversation, good kōrero, good, good way to meet, meet people. People you might not have met before or people you don't know very well. And, and this year we'll keep rolling like every uh, every holidays we'll have our, we'll keep rolling with like shared lunches and these are cool ways to uh, like you know I think oh have you noticed in the Bible how often like like things would be happening around eating together 
Ah, that's interesting. I wonder if like, there's like this, like this spiritual, physical dynamic that happens when we eat together. We separate things out too much. Eating together is, remember that, they devoted themselves to eating together. It's because they liked KFC. <laughs> JFC, Jerusalem fried chicken. Um, Also, also this year we'll explore other ways of having like spaces for connection to happen because we all need a bit of help, and and I know that we're all wired a bit differently. And so some people like it's yeah the big the kind of the big gathering is like it's a, it's a great place to meet people. Other times it's oh, the hardest, and so we all need a bit of help. We and so we kind of I don't know hey, they haven't all figured out yet. Don't worry. And there's not going to be any pressure on people. It's not going to be okay. You got to go meet somebody new right now. Yet, <laughs> well, uh, no, you don't have to do that. It's not going to be any pressure, but it's, it's ways of like supporting connection to happen and, and encouraging it. It's for your own good. <laughs> Eat your veggies. Icebreakers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so, so I just want to keep on this practical thing just for a couple more minutes and then I'll finish. So you might decide, like you, you come along to, like you come along to church, come along to, to a gathering, and you kind of go, oh well, each, each week I'm going to take a bit of effort to meet somebody that I haven't haven't met before. Maybe that's too much. Every second week. Actually, we'll go back a step. We can begin by praying, <laughs> and, and like asking the Lord to help help us pray for pray for others. Right? I think prayer is so powerful. And then we might decide, okay, I want to I want to try to meet somebody new each week. I'm going to meet some other people. Uh, or, you might, or you might kind of decide um, that you want to kind of up, a, up another level. And, and you're going to try to invite somebody out for lunch once a month or something like that. Or would it, you know, maybe, maybe, we've got to, maybe we've got to make it even easier, like once every second month or whatever it is. What's something that's kind of going to be, be a little bit achievable? Um, like, jo- like joining teams is actually really is actually a really really good way to to get to know other people. Like doing projects together, doing stuff together, it's actually a really awesome way to kind of get to know other people, get to know other people as you serve. Uh, Judah uh, is is really really keen to find some other people to help with uh, with with serving in the kids church. Uh, then you also get to know get to know children, and man, they are awesome. CV kids are amazing. They are so awesome. Uh, Judah's keen for kids' church leaders. Tessa is, is, is keen for people to come and help with, with welcoming and, and hospitality, you know. Um, I think at the moment we have a, have a team of about two people each week, but even better is when you've got, kind of got four and you've got some people that can, like, you know, welcome people at the front door and other people that are uh, getting, the, um, getting the things ready uh, to meet people. Um, you can come and help with, do, with doing the sound, come and help with uh, doing the words on the screen, live stream. And, uh, and, and some of you are zoning out already because you're kind of going, oh, this is just for old folks, right? <laughs> this is just for, for, for people that are, you know, adults. But I, I just want to invite, man, actually, the, uh, can I just tell the last story? Um, when, I was in, when I was in my teenage years, <laughs> the, the way that I found connection with church was actually by, by serving on the worship team with other people. And actually, kind of getting getting to know other people and um, that kind of stuff. So, great. Should we stand and pray? Thanks for listening. Sorry, it's been another long one. 
Lord Jesus, oh, wow. Thank you so much for your invitation into your loving arms. We sang that song, Draw Me Close, and you do, you do. Lord Jesus, uh, pray for us, us as a church, that we would draw near to you. And as we, as we draw near to you, that we, that we draw near to each other. That those, uh, that, those, that those dividing walls, that those barriers, whatever they are, they, they would kind of be dissolved as, as we come to know that you are the God of God who loves us, that you called us, that in you we are, we are holy, we are chosen people, we are your possessions, we are your possession. Pray, Father, for almost like that, uh, yeah, just, just the release, Lord. Almost like the, the picture that comes to mind is like the, like a, like kind of like the vine that kind of overflows the walls. I think that it might be in Psalms. Like there would be like that vine that kind of overflows, overflows kind of the walls and everyone kind of gets to come and eat from those grapes or drink from the wine or whatever the goodness is in that garden. Holy Spirit, where we're, where we're feeling, uh, we're actually in this place of feeling lonely and, and feeling socially isolated. Lord, uh, I pray that most of all that we would, we would meet with you and we'd, you'd, we'd know that you're with us, Lord. You'd make the way that uh, we can be connected with one another. Lord, pray your blessing on, on folks that are at home, that uh, people who are unwell, I'm aware of so many at the moment. We, we pray for healing, Lord. We speak the name of Jesus uh, in every, uh, every room, Lord, of people who are watching. We speak the name of Jesus, that there would be healing and there'd be life, Lord. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. That your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, also pray for... Um, for our time of uh, of coffee and of fellowship and of conversation and and this 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 amazing time that we'll have as soon as I stop blabbing on. <laughs> Bless you, Jesus. Amen. You are my